4: Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today is Tell Dell Tuesday, another great story for you. Here uh, close by, out of Katy, Texas, uh, I've got a gentleman by the name of Larry Glover. His wife couldn't make it today, but he's going to carry the load all by himself. Larry uh, and his wife joined here way 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 back in 2014 and then just one year later they retired so it's a great story currently sitting on around 31 apartment complexes with about 6,500 units and that's after selling I believe three of them over the years so uh, I'm gonna bring him on Larry welcome to the show thank you great great accomplishment Larry good good stuff we'll get into that later let's talk about where you were at when you first started looking into lifestyles what what was your mindset where were you at uh as a family financially work-wise and so forth that made you decide to start looking for something different
5: well lenora was already retired and i was approaching retirement age but as i mentioned to her that i have a real expensive hobby of scuba diving and it gets more and more expensive every year so I told her that I didn't see how there's any way I could ever retire. I was going to have to work the rest of my life just so I could go scuba diving. <laughs> she told me I was wrong. She'd show me how.
4: Yeah, I remember that way back when, too. I remember you guys coming to the case studies and you telling me that, that scuba diving was your big thing. So um, how did this thing progress for you?
5: Well, as I say, we were approaching my retirement age, and we were looking to get enough investments to, for me to retire. And we first heard about your show from this radio station, and Lenora convinced me to come to, come to the two-day and listen to it, or come to your, your first-case day thing and then listen to it. And so we signed up for the two-day. At the two-day, we were, we were lucky enough to sit with you at lunch, and we told you what our personal financial situation was, and you gave us advice on what to do. And we followed that advice, and it's been great ever since.
4: Well, why don't you share that advice? What was it that I thought would work for you guys?
5: Well, we both had houses that were paid for. And so when we first went through the two-day, you know, we thought, okay, we could just take those two houses and rent them out and start buying houses. Well, when we said you and told you what the situation was, you told us, no, that those two houses would make enough money for us to go straight into being passive investors and multifamily. So we pursued doing that. And actually, what helped us, we even met a... Uh, a person at Lifestyles who was also a realty agent, and he helped us sell the two houses. And then since we got to know him, he was also looking to do his first-time deal. So our first deal was with a first-time lead.
4: So um, how long would you and Lenora been married now?
5: Uh, seven, Be- <laughs> 2007.
4: Bad question for a guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only reason I asked is because it, it appeared if you both had houses that you had, you know, been second marriages type thing, yeah. and uh, I think wasn't Lenore the one that told me the story that sh- she wasn't going to let you die or something. I remember a case study. I thought that was her yeah. that got up there and said, "I'm not letting this one die." Is that, is that a real story? Yes, it is. <laughs> Man. Maybe, maybe you can share that story, how she came about that. Because she was adamant about it.
5: She had been married before, and her previous husband passed away and, you know, at a young age. And so she was worried about that happening to her again. And, you know, we're both workaholics, so she was concerned about it.
4: Yeah, well, that's, she let everybody know that. I remember what she did today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get this guy retired, and I'm going to make sure that he doesn't die off on me. So you, you're in good hands there, buddy. You're in good hands. All right, so let, let's talk about coming out of the two-day. What did you guys think right out of the two-day, besides what I told you at lunch? I told you you should go right for it. What, what, what did you guys do? How did you line it all up?
5: Well, I was real negative against everything. Now, she convinced me to come listen to you. I had... Heard about real estate being good, but I considered it not workable for me. You know that I wasn't in of the click group that I thought it took to be able to do it, and I was always negative on uh, being in debt. So I always thought debt was bad, and, and I you know drove used cars. I lived below my means. I saved my money. I did spend some money on going scuba diving, but other than that, I saved all my money and uh, stuff. <laughs> and uh, when we listened to you, you know, it sounded good, but when you explained about debt and how debt on a business can actually help you make money, it changed my attitude about what debt was. And I saw where well, this could actually work for us, you know, it would really be, could really work. And also, the way you spoke really helped me listen to what you were saying because you didn't come across as just a slick salesman trying to sell me something. You really came across as just telling me the truth and stuff about how things were, And it really helped me to turn myself around.
4: That's great because you guys came out of the blocks pretty strong. I mean, the first year you purchased four properties.
5: Right. We actually did five, but it didn't close till the the January of the the next year. And those those five were all yield plays. And they started paying off the first quarter, which helped because the fifth one had started paying off just before I got laid off. I got laid off before I was going to actually retire. And those four were paying enough to cover all—I mean, those five were paying enough to cover all of our expenses. And so I didn't have to go look for a job.
4: Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing, all within one year. Yeah. And, yeah, that it's just— uh... It's hard to believe you can knock it out that quick. Took me two and a half years. I don't know what I was doing, just messing around or what. But you got right down to it, well, got it out of the way. Um, so when we look at this. Your first five deals were yield plays. Um, was that on purpose? Was that because you were looking to replace your income? Was that yes, your conscious approach?
5: Yes, we we were le- specifically looking for yield plays because I wanted to get income coming in where I could retire. But even that said. Some of those that were a yield place to start with also then, as you know, has a value component to them. And they've actually done a really great return.
4: Well, your returns have been obviously unbelievable. I've got them written down here in front of me, and I'm just looking at them. I don't think anybody even believes the kinds of returns you've made. Um, let's talk about uh, just theory a little bit more, and we'll get into actual numbers later. But a little more in the theory. As you moved on, did you look to diversify from just yield plays into some value plays, or did you just keep looking at yield plays that turned into value plays?
5: No. Once, once we had enough income coming in to cover our expenses, then we looked at anything that looked like a really good deal to us. And as we mentioned before, we really looked for the lead first, and we wanted to find a really good lead that we could invest with. And then we looked at the deals that they had and seeing if it matched what we wanted to do.
4: Okay, did you consider the lead as a standalone vehicle, or was it after a period, not a period, but after a series of deals? In other words, were were you willing to look at new leads because you thought they had the integrity to do it, Uh, or did you only stick with uh, experienced leads to start out?
5: No, no, we looked at whoever we thought would would do a good job. Our very first deal was with a first-time lead but we gotcha. had to know him before we invested with him, and
4: so we were convinced he would be good. Okay. So you have spread that around also. Well, yeah. when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about your diversification, how you chose which properties that you thought were the ones you wanted to line up. We're going to take a short break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll have Larry and myself cover the – Gosh, how many units? 31 properties. He still owns 34 total, which puts him right up there. as probably one of the top passive investors in lifestyles. We'll be right back with Larry Glover and the Del Wansley Radio Show. Oh, wait. No, we're not. (laughs) I'm off on my timing here. I looked at the clock wrong. So we got another minute here. So let's go ahead and talk about then uh, for the next uh, 30 seconds here. Um, Did you... Decide whether or not you should diversify more in other words Did you want to get with a bunch of different leads as opposed to just being with one or two or three?
5: Yes Uh, You know a lead once they they find some property It's going to take them a year or so to get that property up and running before they can actually look for another good set of a property and we wanted to get our money diversified as quickly as we could So we were open to any other leads that had really good deals
4: that makes sense. So you, you it was a timing thing. You had to just punch it through and couldn't wait for the leads to keep up with you. That right. makes a lot of sense. All right, very good. Well, this time we're gonna take a break. We'll be right back with Larry Glover and the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
1: Del Wamsley talks about finding that one thing that made sense for the lifestyle. I looked at franchises. I
4: looked at multi-level marketing. I looked at everything in the world, but nothing made as much sense as buying one simple little rental property.
1: Real estate is your best option real estate makes sense. Lifestyles Unlimited will teach you how to buy your first rental property. Join our live online free workshop to find out more. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Del Wamsley talks about positive cash flow tax-free.
4: I bought one little rent house. So a month later, I bought three more. Now I started receiving even more positive cash flow. $880 a month positive cash flow after just two months. This cash flow was tax-free because of the way I
1: did it. Because if you know how to do it the right way, you won't pay taxes on that. Give yourself a raise, tax-free. Find out how at Lifestyles Unlimited's live online free workshop. Register today at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Lifestyles Unlimited executive vice president, business consultant, and successful real estate investor, Lynn Murrow, on the critical difference between those who succeed and those who fail.
2: Whether you have a small business, whether you are running a division of a large corporation, whether you're a CEO of a Fortune 100 company listening to us right now, or whether you work for somebody else, you have an area of responsibility and you are presented with a novel challenge by a novel virus that's going on right now. And the key to all of that is keeping your head up and looking for opportunity when what you want to do is curl up in a ball and, uh, and go to sleep. And it's that is the critical difference between people who succeed right now and people who fail
1: lifestyles unlimited has been helping people succeed since 1990 join us for our free online real estate workshop and learn the seven principles we teach to run our business and provide for our families register at lifestyles unlimited workshop
0: Nerds. today's episode is sponsored by nerd wallet smart money podcast ready to expand your financial game nerd wallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments finding your next credit card and setting a Budget that works for you score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024 follow nerd smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app
1: future you will thank you tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone Talk thirteen seven, the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free
3: from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time. Dell Wamsley.
4: Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is Larry Glover out of Katy, Texas. He's one of. Uh, what we jokingly refer to as a super passive. Sitting here today with 31 apartment complexes, 6,500 units, uh, has sold three of them off and uh, has worked his way through this portfolio starting in 2014. increased his holdings every single year uh, even including last year 2019 picked up eight more deals so Larry you're quite active in this thing let's talk a little bit about um, the deals like you said first of all you pick uh, the lead okay we got that you're putting more weight on the lead than you are on the uh, deal what do you look for in a deal
5: where we look for what location it's in what the market is whether you know it'll, it'll support that type of thing and then we look of course where the returns and stuff is going to get and how soon they might be doing a refi the refi or our sales of where we get the money to do new investments from
4: so for people that are listening in for the first time or haven't followed us a lot a refinance is where we own an apartment complex that goes up in value and we refinance to take out that increased value. We take it out tax-free as a loan. And so, in your situation, Larry, you've had quite a few situations where you've refinanced out all or a major portion of what you put into the deal. Is that not true? Yes. So, how do you see it when you, and I'm gonna give, there's no right answer to this, by the way. Um, How do you see it when you give a guy a hundred thousand bucks. he gives you you know ten, twelve, fifteen percent return on it for a year or two, and then gives you back the hundred thousand. But you still own the apartment. You still own the same amount of ownership you owned before. Now you're playing with the bank's money. How do you see that? Is that an infinite return to you because you have none of your own money in it, or is it? Okay, I put in 100000 I got back 100000 plus 15% return, 115%. Are you looking at it as it's a 115% return on your investment, or are you looking at it as, as it's an infinite return as of now? Which way do you characterize that? Well,
5: that's where my wife and I differ. She looks at it the way it's the 115% return now. I look at it as an infinite return because I got my money back. It just makes me feel better to look at it that way. <laughs>
4: Yeah, there is something about playing with the house money that is quite a good feeling, right? No doubt about that. So let's talk about this. I mean, 2014, four deals. 2015, you retired. 2015, you did 11 deals that year. Refinanced one, got 35% back on that. Uh, 2016, you did three deals, got a supplemental loan for a 20% return back to you guys. And refinance another deal for 110% return after 18 months. 2017, two deals closed, one refinanced at 47% return. 2018, six deals closed, one sold for a 21% return. Heavily damaged from the hurricane. You know, and that's an interesting thing here. Through all of this now, you've been around long enough and been diversified enough for different deals. You've been through fires, hurricanes floods. You've lived through these things occurring at different investments you have, different projects you own. And how have you come out of that?
5: They all are still in positive cash flow. The we, uh, we had the major flooding was on that, that first property we had uh, during Hurricane Harvey. It completely flooded the whole first floor of the apartment. And the occupancy went down to like 30%. But the lead had followed lifestyle recommendation and had you know full insurance on everything. So we were gonna be able to come out of it in you know, at least 18 months to get it refurbished and get it going again. But one of these big companies, outside Houston came in looking for real estate to buy and offered to buy it for us and get us all of our money back in a little bit. So we just sold it and made money on it and moved on.
4: Man, that's amazing. Real estate is so forgiving if you do it the right way, right?
5: Yes. Yeah. And that's so, one of the things that lifestyle is good because it's teaching people how to do it the right way. And that's what we really like about getting us leads. that has gone through the lifestyle uh, classes and stuff.
4: Now, I, I noticed that you guys do a lot of networking. I see you at a lot of events. I guess that's because you're in the city that I live in. Um, what is your feeling about the, the social aspect of doing this? Because you guys are around a lot. But,
5: we think that is key to being able to do all this, is networking. And that's why we come to the means, and I even come to the ones, the acquisition road trips, even though I'm not looking for property myself, because I get to network with other people. I hear what they're doing. I hear you know, comments about different leads and get, get just information.
4: Okay, so um, you think that's an important part to get out and do that? Uh, I mean, what about have you done any have you done any deals outside of the Houston area?
5: Yes, yeah, so we've recently been diversifying first outside of Houston. We've gone into San Antonio, uh, Lake Jackson, uh, Corpus, places like that, and then also we've recently gone out of state. We've gone into uh, uh, Georgia, into Kentucky, Tennessee. <laughs> so yeah, we've been diversifying around even more now.
4: Uh, it's funny. It it's just interesting because as you tell me those states, I know which deals they are because I'm in them too. <laughs>
5: <laughs> They're good deals, aren't
4: they? Yeah, that that's the funny part about it how uh, you know, it's amazing how close we all are as we work through these things together here. Uh tell us in your words, what do you think the most important thing is about what you've done? as
5: uh, as what it's done for us or what I've done.
4: Well, you, we'll take it from two angles because that is pretty open-ended question. Let's take it from, first of all, what have you learned about life by doing this that you didn't know until you came here?
5: Well, for, yeah, there's enough for everybody. And there are really a lot more good people out there than I thought really existed. And a lot of them are in lifestyle, and that's really great.
4: So the abundance theory is something you enjoy. Yeah. Um, the openness of the group of people with each other you enjoy, those are both good things. Now, let's take that and take it one step further. What about your future now? What What do you see? Because, I mean, you're retired. You've got plenty of income coming in. What's your goals for the future besides scuba dive every coral reef in the world? <laughs>
5: I've pretty much done most of that already. Uh, one of the things we're doing is we've got five grandchildren that we're going to put through college. and stuff. And in fact, one of them is just graduating this year right now and getting ready to go for her master's. So being able to help them and do that, uh, I've helped other people in our family and stuff financially, and just being able to do that is really nice.
4: Yeah, that must feel really good to be able to send the grands, all the grandkids to college, man. That's yeah. got a really be a good feeling i know um we've just got one grandchild so far and uh i think the kids spoiled to death but i thought every kid was spoiled to death compared to me you know yeah so i guess it's worth it you know the opportunity to spoil the grandkids is a good idea um looks like we're gonna go to break we'll be right back with larry glover and the del Wamsley radio show
3: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, you deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Report, Chicago, Illinois. Talk
1: 1370,
3: the right choice. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dell Wamsley.
4: Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is Larry Glover. He's a uh, real estate investor out of TAD, Texas. Uh, He's a passive investor and currently in 31 different deals with 6,500 units and uh, has been doing this since 2014. So, Larry... What kind of time commitment has it taken, just for the average person out there looking at this, thinking, okay, I'm going to take this on. Uh, you started before you were retired. Uh, Lenore was retired already. What kind of time commitment did it take to get to where you're at and kind of walk us through each year, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and so forth? How much time would I have to spend to get as far along as you are?
5: The main thing that took all our time was just attending the meetings and stuff, you know, and and getting the network going. So we spent the time on that, which is, what, one Thursday evening and then two Fridays of the month. And then, as far as actually getting a deal, the most time-consuming part of it was sitting down and reading through the PPM. And at first, you know, that took quite a bit of time, but as we got through some of them, it got to be easier and easier to go through them and, you know, read them and stuff. So, overall, not that much time at all.
4: Give us an idea. How much time were you spending? When you first started out, and then
5: now. Okay, well, reading the PPM, it takes us a couple hours to go through a
4: PPM. Okay. So, that's where you're reading the documents in, in the offering, and right. figuring out whether or not you want to do the deal or not. Right. Um, then you got what? You got a, 30 minutes to an hour to do paperwork, to get signed up for the deal, to transfer money and so forth into yeah. the deal, another hour invested, yeah. and then you're done. At that point, what do you do? You, do you track your deals? Like oh, uh, yeah. I know a lot of people are tracking on spreadsheets every deal they have. I know I do. Are you tracking yours?
5: Yes. Lenore has set up a spreadsheet that is quite extensive when us being able to track everything. And she spent quite a bit of time on it. It's for taking care of it. Maybe like two hours a
4: month. (laughs) I heard her back there. Two two hours a month. Oh, I'm tired just thinking about that. It's wearing (laughs) me out. Busy two hours a month. All right. So that's pretty easy at this point, right?
5: Yes.
4: Okay. Um,. What else do you do? I mean, is there anything? I mean, talk, talk about what you're doing. I, obviously, Lenora's the talkative one in the family there, so you're going to have to come come ahead here and uh, give us some of the information. For instance, all this travel. You've got a lot of travel listed down here. Italy? Yes. Tell us about that.
5: that. that that's part of living the lifestyle of our money. We took our 18 year old granddaughter to Italy for a three week tour, we traveled all over Italy saw every major site deadly there was. We also later on took a, a Baltic uh, cruise on uh, all through the Baltic, all the countries through there, and went to St. Petersburg, Russia. And then uh, a couple of times in the summer, to get out of the summer heat, we've gone to New Mexico and rented a house up in the mountains and just stayed up there for a few weeks. How Just many kids do you guys you? got all together?
4: You, you said you had five grandkids. How many kids do you have between the two of you?
5: Two.
4: Two? Yeah. Okay. It's not bad. Yeah. Easy to take care of. Uh, what about your, your housing and your, your living quarters? I know that you, when I talked to you a long time ago, you guys had done some upgrades to your home and stuff. Uh, what did you do and why did, how did it make it more comfortable for you?
5: Together, like I said, we had two houses separate, and we had to combine our two houses into one house. So, I actually bought a larger house than neither of those two. And the upstairs part is one, it's like one story with an upstairs loft. The upstairs is kind of like my man cave. I've got my pool table and all my computers and books and stuff up there. Well, Nora does a lot of fashion design and, and sewing and stuff. And she was relegated to the dining room and the library to her stuff out. And so it was really cramped for her. So we decided to add on to the house and add a room just for her sewing and all of her stuff. So we added a 600-foot uh, addition onto our house for her to use as a studio. And that we did only that, seems we fair. We also had a, a covered patio put between that addition and our garage, so another
4: 460-square-feet patio area. You know, I tell you, um, for myself, I've got a... Sixteen thousand square foot home. Eight thousand yeah. of it is our personal living space. Yeah. <laughs> and then eight thousand more is my toy area. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just—it just. I think when you get to the, you get to that retirement age, you really, you the old saying, you know, what's the difference between men and boys? You know. Yeah. The cost of their toys. Yeah. And the space that it takes to lay them all out. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. Well, looks like we've got um, just about everything you want. What is your goal for the future? I know you're trying to get through COVID right now. Everybody's trying to get through that. What What are you doing during the COVID
5: thing? Well, we're staying home. Uh, <laughs> staying safe. I may, I might go out to go to the grocery store, but I make sure I go early in the morning and wear my gloves and masks and stuff. Other than that, we just stay here. You know, we got plenty of stuff here. I've, I've got a lot of books, uh, my computers. She's got her story, so we don't have to go out and do anything. Um, we're just trying to build up our cash reserves now. You know, we've got money saved, so we're okay. And actually, even though most of the apartments are not paying distributions at the moment, there are actually a few of them that actually are still doing well enough. They actually paid us distributions this
4: quarter. That's amazing because I actually was the one that suggested to everybody that you might want to hold off one set of distributions one quarter, just in case this COVID thing kept going and got really bad, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, everybody that I know that I've talked to so far in lifestyles, that's a lead or an IRO independent owner, have found that it wasn't the cut wasn't as deep as they thought it was going to be, and they're thinking about distributions on this next quarter here. So, yeah. That seemed to be not as bad. I thought that was going to be much deeper. I thought we'd go. I thought the bottom was going to fall out, to be honest with you. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine them. You know, shutting the country down, to me, just blows my mind.
5: So, well, but, you know. The fact that COVID, there's, you can be contagious and not show any symptoms. was no way to restrict, you know, people moving around and spreading it around. And that was the whole idea of that. They just don't have anything else they can do, you know. Yeah, uh, we right. want to continue investing in you know more multifamily. We're not done investing yet. As we start getting more distributions and refis and stuff, we'll, we'll invest in more apartments.
4: And, well, you know, Larry, it's it's an interesting point that you bring up. And uh, let's see how much time I got for this segment here. Yeah, I've got a few minutes. Um, the older I get, the larger my uh, relationship is between cash and investments. Um, Early on in my life, when I needed the cash flow, I had to have all of my money invested. I had to live on that edge, you know, where I had a little bit of money aside for, you know, day-to-day needs and so forth, but I I had a job so I could go work and make some money. Uh, But when I got to the point where I had enough income coming in, then I started thinking, okay, let's create a cushion. In case anything terrible goes wrong, we've got a little cash cushion. and. As I grew my investments, I started growing my cash cushion with my investments, which is, I think, what you're saying you're doing, right?
5: Yes. And that's what's helped us get through this downturn right now, is that we had cash reserves that we're relying on.
4: Yeah, I think that's that's important, especially as you get older, especially if you don't have a job anymore. If you're truly retired to where you have no earned income coming in, you're going to need some cash reserves because the stuff always comes back. It always comes through, and because we are a cash flow type investment, you know you're getting the cash flow. And it was only because, like I said, we had no idea what was going to happen when you shut the entire economy down, that we said let's just hold. And uh, you know what we were doing is on the business levels. And by the way, people, as it sounds like I'm telling you, I own all these properties. I don't own on any of these properties other than the ones I own in myself or I'm invested with other people but I'm not running this as a consultant I just suggested that hey wow we don't know where this is all going to go so instead of sending out all these millions of dollars of distributions in the first quarter let's hold the first quarter distributions to see if the world collapses because the theory was um, Larry that I would rather see some people lose some cash flow then some people lose their investments and have their life savings go away because somebody with cash poor broke at the apartment had to let the thing go. So, um, luckily we didn't get to that point and that cash is still sitting there. Along with, and we haven't figured this one out yet, how much money was able to be brought in through the um, PPP loans, which is something we'll have to figure out as time goes on. All right, we'll take one more break. We'll be right back with Larry Glover and the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
1: A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
0: Talk 1370.
3: Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Tal Bomsley.
4: Welcome back to the last segment of the Del Bomsley radio show. With uh, Here today with Larry Glover from Katy, Texas. And um, Larry, as we get into this last segment here, I'm going to ask you to um, share with the audience a couple of things. One, when you first started, you said you were a skeptic. Share with us how you see it now.
5: Well, I've completely turned around. Uh, when I first started, I'd had bad experience with real estate. I had a small house one time that I decided to rent out because I'd heard how great real estate was. And I was going to be smarter than everybody else. To make sure I got paid, I rented it out to my friends. So you know how well that went. <laughs> yeah. Then you know, my broker one time convinced me to get into a REIT, you know, one of the real estate investment trusts. I thought that was great, except he seemed to make a lot of money, but I didn't seem to make very much money off of it. So I was real negative that, you know, this real estate stuff really worked. And now I'm completely turned around. It has been really great. In fact, if I remember the first distribution check we got off of our first property and stuff, and it was like, wow, this really worked. This is really going to be great.
4: So what do you tell your friends and relatives now when, they, when you talk to them about this stuff?
5: I tell them they ought to get into it, but uh, most of them still seem to think it must be a scam, even though I keep showing them how well we're doing and what we're making and stuff.
4: That's interesting. Why do you think that is? Again, it's that negative thing that everybody
5: has about, you know, big businesses and, you know, everybody trying to sell you something that's got to be a scam and stuff. <laughs>
4: All right. So um, what about relatives? Do you have any relatives involved?
5: No. Of, I've got <laughs> a couple of friends that have, have gotten involved, but none of my relatives have.
4: Wow. That's interesting. I know. <laughs> it really is. Usually somebody people have somebody that uh, believed them. So you just got that non-believable face, huh? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So um, from this point forward, what do you think you're going to do this year? Are you buying anything during this COVID experience, or are you just sitting on the sidelines waiting? We're just
5: sitting on the sidelines waiting up. We don't have any more refis coming up that we know of, so we have no more money to invest in the moment until that starts happening again. We don't have anything to invest.
4: I got you. So um, let's see here. I've, I'm trying to figure out, you had 31 deals and you've picked them up at a you know, few each year. So the refis, have they been coming a little bit each year also?
5: It started happening, you know, about three years after we started getting into them. You know, I'd like three to five years, the stuff starts being refinanced or sell. So that's why in uh, 2018, we had eight refis. And, you know, we were able to turn that money over back in 2019.
4: Did you make it a point that when the money came out on refis that you put it right back into something else? Or did you take some of that money and put it aside for cash?
5: Well, we always maintained some. We made them enough off of distributions we were able to save up our, our cash and stuff. Uh-huh. So pretty much every time we got a refi, we looked for a deal to put the money back into.
4: Do you have a, um, a preference as to what kind of deals, now that you've gone through them, that you prefer?
5: Uh, we're turning back to yield play, just because as we're getting older, we're looking you know for the cash return and stuff. We've done some value plays that turned out real low, but some of them took like 24 months before they paid out and stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're planning to stay away from the deep value plays right now.
4: Yeah, I don't seem to see as many of those around, to be honest with you. It seems like we've grabbed up and captured as many things as we possibly could for the last 10 years, I think since 2008. It's been nothing but blowing and going for Lifestyles and the members here. So we're what is that? 10 years so oh, it's 20 it's 12 years where they're just grabbing yeah. and buying and rehabbing and flipping and selling and moving along so it's a lot of stuff's been done that's why i like the idea of, of going all over the country um to me it seemed like it was the next step for lifestyles because it allowed us to diversify our purchase uh ground we had you know stuff in markets where we weren't at Sucking everything up, you know, in other words we, we became our own uh competitive disadvantage because we were buying everything there was. Yeah. And when we got to start spreading that out across the country, things got a lot better for us, I think. And we started seeing people like you said, you got some Tennessee stuff, you got to, you got any Georgia stuff. <coughs> How many different states are you in now? Oh so, uh,
5: Georgia, Kentucky and uh Tennessee.
4: Tennessee we haven't done the Phoenix stuff yet
5: no we haven't uh, we've looked we just had the time we had money we didn't find anything in, in there
4: yeah we got some Phoenix stuff we got some uh, Michigan stuff now uh, wow. we got some Carolinas stuff we got some Florida stuff so uh, it's starting to spread out a little bit more
5: our, our where well, we like to meet the lead first it's hard for us to meet a lead out, out of state and that's where, like, at the expo was really good because we were able to meet people from other areas
4: and stuff. Yeah, that does work well at the expo each year, there's no doubt, especially if you concentrate on ones out of town since you know the other ones. That's a good idea. There's also um, videos online um, where or, there's a list online of people from out of town and so forth, and you can look them up. And I think if you watch the, the different out-of-town case studies and videos and so forth you can get some information about the people Um, but you're right that the expo is a really really effective way but you know we videotaped a lot of that stuff for years so people could pick that up from anywhere and follow that if they wanted to so um, it looks like we're coming here to the end of the show so I wanted to find out is there anything else you'd like to share with people you've got massive experience here what could you share with people
5: one of the great things that lifestyle has done for us is just give us a feeling of financial security. You know, we don't have to worry about what something costs or something that comes up. We don't have to worry about handling, taking care of it. We don't have to put off something until the next payday or do without something. You know, we've got the finances to take care of whatever happens to us. And that is really a great feeling. And, you know, I'll just tell everybody you need to take that first step. You need to start doing it.
4: All right. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on today. And uh, again, the peace of mind. What's not the money? It's that lifestyle. Have a great day. Thank you, Larry. And for all the rest of you out there, see you tomorrow.